0: Tuesday, October 18th, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hillen. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Income Investor, James Early, and from Motley Fool Asset Management, Tim Hansen and Bill Barker. Guys, good to see you. Good to see you, Chris. Chris. Thanks for making the trip up from the first floor, Asset Management. Thanks for letting us in. (laughs) All right, we have earnings from Coke, Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, and IBM. Uh, But first, a little housekeeping from yesterday's podcast. Uh, We talked about Accenture, and um, I shared the fact that a friend of mine who worked for Arthur Anderson at the time when they were going through their name change to Accenture, I, I basically made a lot of fun of her because I thought it was a goofy name. Well, we got an email from a very nice uh, long-time listener, Brian Taylor, uh, who writes, uh, guys, I'm a long-time listener and current Accenture employee. First of all, thanks for the shout-out on Market Foolery; It's well-deserved for a great company. However, I thought I would shed some light on how the name was actually formed once we split from Arthur Anderson. Uh, and he cites Wikipedia, which is, you know. Always reliable. It's always reliable. Um, and the word is center is supposedly derived from the phrase accent on the future. Although a marketing consultancy was tasked with finding a new name for the company, the name Accenture was submitted by Kim Peterson, a Danish employee from the company's Oslo, Norway office. As a result of an internal competition, Accenture felt the name should represent its will to be a global consulting leader and high performer, and also intended that the name should not be offensive in any country in which it operates. That's kind of a key thing. Moving on, Coca-Cola's third quarter profit was up 8%. Revenue was up 45%. Uh, Tim, that sounds good but the stock's basically flat at this point Is this essentially the market sort of shrugging its shoulders?
1: Yeah well, the last time we talked about Coke's earnings we we basically or I made the point that I thought the stock was probably Pretty fairly priced relative to the performance it was uh, putting up, and and that continues to be the case uh, today. It looks like. Uh, remember, some of those numbers are being juiced by their acquisition of Coca-Cola Enterprises, which is their domestic um, bottling operation here in the states. So it's not necessarily apples and apples uh, to compare it year over year. Um, that said, the story is the same as it's been for the last couple of quarters, which is that, um, you know, pretty pretty tepid growth in the U.S. and Europe is being offset by. Um, much faster growth in emerging markets. The notable part about this release is that the fastest-growing market on a volume basis um, was India, with, a, I think, a 17% um, uh, growth, which is great. And the reason that's interesting is because India, historically, has been where Pepsi yeah. was doing best. And so for Coke to be showing that much traction there, um, that has that should have the people at Pepsi a little bit worried about their emerging market growth prospects.
2: Are you more of a Coke guy or a Pepsi guy yourself?
1: I've always been more of a Coca-Cola guy, but I don't, I don't drink a lot of the soft drinks much anymore. Does Coke need to snackify its business? I don't think a lot of people are going to get that reference. But there, <laughs> Go there, ahead and share. <laughs> there, there was an article yesterday in the, in the Wall Street Journal about how Pepsi was thinking about growing. And apparently apparently, the, the, the strategy is to snackify its drinks business and drinkify its snacks
0: business. Those are actual quotes.
1: Yes. And, and I guess, <laughs> so they said this in reference to the acquisition of uh, uh, some dairy assets. Yeah. And yogurt, this is about, yogurt, yeah, yeah, this is, I guess... Like, the drinkable yogurt is an example of yeah. drinkifying a snack, and they want to do more of that? I don't know.
2: <laughs> you know do It'll nasty pretty quickly.
3: I mean, in your own business, do you ever think of, like, podifying the radio show <laughs> or radiating the podcast? I try,
0: I, I try not to damage the English language quite in quite that way. Uh, we had more big banks reporting earnings. Bank of America posted a profit of $6.2 billion, while Goldman Sachs posted only its second quarterly loss as a public company. Uh, and it's been public since 1999. James, uh, let's go with Goldman Sachs first. What did you think sure. of Sure. Nobody
2: should feel bad for these guys, and, and nobody will. Uh, but just to give you an idea how volatile these earnings are, or the revenue numbers are, excuse me, they had $8.9 billion in the comparable period last year. Now it's just $3.6 billion. So this is really a, a volatile business. Trading revenue and, and investment banking revenues were down a little bit, but the real culprit was just simply declines in the value of assets that Goldman, Goldman held
0: or holds. And what about Bank of America, What do you think of their quarter? oh gosh
2: Th- this is a different beast entirely. Just the attachment to the attachment was 68 pages long. Uh, this is like the amendment the amendment. To the is that amendment. a true story? There's an attachment yes, to the attachment? So there's like the, there's the earnings release, and there's the earnings release presentation. Then there's the supplement to the earnings release presentation. So I was trying to get through the supplement to the earnings release presentation, which was in turn a supplement to the actual press release, and I, I just <laughs> didn't have time. Um, but but I, I It's gotta,
0: almost hard to believe people say that, that the big banks are, are, are really hard to understand.
2: But kudos to them for for at least the attempt of transparency. You just show a lot of data, and then maybe it, it works, right? But the, the the gist of it is this: they did have instead of 7.3 billion dollar loss last year, they had 6.2 billion net income, which sounds great until you learn that 4.5 billion, actually plus 1.7 billion, which is whatever that is, 6.2 billion <laughs> of that is these valuation adjustments on debt. And this is the equivalent of. Uh, the market thinks you're less likely to pay your your bills so it it prices down your outstanding debt you get to take that as earnings it's it's a hideous crime it's not an actual crime but it is essentially a crime against human nature as far as i'm concerned and and, and they they've been doing this plus that they sold uh the china construction bank for 3.6 billion 3.5 billion something like that and, you know that's not something they can do every quarter either so it's not clear they had other asset sales too it's not clear whether they're doing well or not, it's just confusing. They're, they're trying a lot of things. We can say that.
1: Tim, well, we talked about that that Chinese bank sale a while ago, and that a they were smart to sell, and that b I don't understand why they're not selling all of it. <laughs> uh, maybe they will this quarter, and it will they'll, they'll come back and say, "See, James Early, we can do that. <laughs> we, we can do that again."
0: <laughs> uh, Bill, what do you make of it?
3: Oh I, this the same thing uh that uh, James hinted at and that I've said that uh, for investors at a company like this is incredibly hard to understand and uh I I think best left alone uh, given the number of problems uh, that it faces and given you know the management Choices that have been made over the last uh, is it like that for months. all the
0: big banks or is there is there a, a a drunk that's the most sober is there a bank is there of the big banks is there one that you look at and go you know these guys actually do a good job of being transparent without the sixty eight page attachment
3: well I think Bank Bank of America's acquisition of Countrywide made it you know that much more. In trouble in understanding its own business I mean, to to have acquired it and let's just acknowledge this was done by a different management than is currently at the helm, but to to have acquired it at all showed a seemingly bizarre you know inability uh, to value banks.
0: You would think for bank employees that that would actually be a skill that they possess. You would hope.
2: The main thing is to buy the bank first, and then we work on the details later. But, (laughs) yeah, yeah, now now it's ironic because now it's basically undoing the work of Ken Lewis. Ken Lewis was like the Pac-Man of the banking industry, just buying up everything. And now it didn't work out so well, so now it's just sort of has to eliminate it somehow. Ken
1: Ken Lewis is giving back his bonuses, right, for everything that's undone?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Is that true?
1: I mean, if if you undo it, you don't get paid, right?
0: Right. And finally, last week we talked about shares of IBM hitting an all-time high they are lower today after the company's latest earnings. Uh, Bill, profits of $3.8 billion. The company raised forward guidance. What's going on? Why are shares down?
3: Uh, this was a usual story of a company, as you mentioned, that had just hit an all-time high on Friday, I guess. And when you do that, you've got to sort of blow out the numbers for your earnings and surpass expectations, uh, which it didn't do on the revenue side. So, it's not a surprise to see it Give a little bit of the you know the movement that the stock took last week uh, back to the market. It, it, it's a good report, and uh, I think that uh, it, it's one that we're going to probably go through a lot as earnings seasons go goes by. And that is uh, sort of stagnant or or very slow growth domestically, and that it's supplemented by very good growth uh, in in emerging markets. In IBM's case, uh, growth was 13% for the quarter in emerging markets. Uh, which raised the, the total up to merely 3%. Part of the problem there was Japan, still suffering from the earthquake, was down 10%. But we're going to see you know, companies like Coke, like IBM, like many, many others, tell the story. Things are going well in the emerging markets on the growth side. Europe, Japan, U.S., to differing degrees, uh, less exciting.
0: So, But you think that this does point to um, something of a slowdown, whether it's just in the technology sector or maybe just the broader economy. I don't
3: know that it points to a slowdown. we're we're, we're aware that, that the US economy is growing slowly and IBM is a reasonable proxy for that kind of thing. It, it's in a lot of different fields in, in you know software, hardware services, so it's got a broad exposure to the economy. It is growing growing slowly, sinking more money into the emerging markets and that's that's going to improve the total picture.
0: Uh, earlier this year, obviously IBM came out with Watson, the supercomputer that that just crushed it on Jeopardy. Uh, Tim, you were saying before we started taping, there was a where where did you see this photo? The Atlantic what? magazine. The Atlanta, yeah. So so it's just it's just Watson next to a dejected Ken Jennings. <laughs> um, you got a feel for him though. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you're Ken Jennings and you're the you know the
1: you're Ken Jennings, J- and yeah, then there's Watson,
0: and there's Watson who basically just took you out like a hot knife through butter. Um, we need another supercomputer from IBM. I think we all agree on that. I mean, we had Deep Blue that that just you know crushed it in chess. We had Watson kicking butt in Jeopardy. What what do we need from the next supercomputer? What do we want? Let's just go. I, I think
3: supercomputers need to be liberated from merely playing games for our amusement. <laughs> you know, it seems like you know if you're going to attach the the whole super moniker to them, that they should do something slightly more worthwhile. What about when, like like that movie
0: Real Steel? What if there were supercomputers that, awesome. were, that were also <laughs> yes. fighting robots?
3: That's what we need. They, they need to if, pair we're, up, if we're gonna have games, yes. Robot not like that old Comedy Central thing where the robots fought each other and they looked like little trash cans. Oh yeah. Like yeah. monstrous like Transformers level
0: things. Yeah. James, what do you they think?
2: They need to pair up with that show to catch a predator and, and simulate these chats and lure the, the these these people to these f- centralized <laughs> hubs, you know, and then, and, and, sucker, you've been talking to a computer all this time. That would really t- take criminals off the streets and, and put these computers to some
0: use. Law enforcement. Okay. Tim Hansen, what are you going with?
1: I was going to say fantasy football. <laughs> <laughs> but Tim- I see the Florida my predator. <laughs> <hunting> friend. <laughs>
0: James Early, Tim Hanson, <laughs> Bill Barker, guys, thanks for being here. Thanks. Thank you, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for it against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. There's just uh, just what nine days left of voting for the 2011 Podcast Award. So please, by all means. Support us at podcastawards.com. I voted while we were doing this. Did you? Yeah,
3: I did. Got my daily voting.
0: that's That's right. You can vote every day. That's the beauty of it. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.